What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. We are uh, going to go straight into uh, Scripture. Actually, I say straight into it. I'm just going to let you turn there so that we can be ready to get into it. We're, we're in uh, the book of Acts. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts. Uh, we're going to go to chapter 3. And, and while we're going there, something that I, I really wanted to, um, during, during our, our first experience today in worship, felt like God was speaking this uh, particular word for us. Um, and then Pastor Amy got up and what God was put on her heart at the end of worship, it all tied together. But um, you know how it typically, and we don't really have typically anymore, do we? Like over the last whatever handful of years, what's typical? Um, but, you know, at the end of the year, you know, you're reflecting and New Year's resolutions and, you know, this year it's going to be whatever. And I have to tell you, like this year more than ever, I have seen more, uh, more people posting about not setting expectation for this year. And I get it. I get it, right? Like, if we've ever had excuses to lower the bar going into a new year, maybe it's coming off with the last couple, right? But um, but as as we were in worship, man, I felt, I literally felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I felt like God had a word for for every single one of us. And, and I, and I want to pray over you. Is that okay? Like, right where you are, can you do me a favor? Just kind of put your hand on your heart. And this is what I felt. This is what I heard the Holy Spirit saying. He says, raise the level of expectation. Raise the level of expectation because what you're, what you're putting your faith in is not in yourself to make something happen. What you're putting your faith in is in God to come through and in God to do something. Like, Do we really think that God is limited or held back because of the circumstances around us? Honestly, if we look through history and throughout scripture, it's actually the, the crazy circumstances around us that paved the way for God to come through and do big things. And so I want to pray that over you. Raise the expectation in your life. Don't, don't, don't allow yourself to be in that position where you're like, well, you know, if I don't set a high expectation, the chances of failing at that are much less. No, God's saying, hey, put your faith in me. It's not in yourself. Raise the bar. Raise the level of expectation. I've, I truly believe, I truly believe that this is something, that what we're about to experience ahead of us in this next year is going to be something miraculous. And we don't know what that looks like, and that's okay. We don't have to, uh, but we know who holds it. We know who's leading it, right? And so let me pray for you real quick. Father, I thank you for every single one of us. Lord, we thank you that you are the one that, that builds a sense of realist, not realistic, but even beyond ourselves, expectation and what we can believe for, Father. We're not believing in ourselves to come through. We're believing in you, Father. We're putting our hope and our faith in you, Lord. Your word tells us that you will go above and beyond anything that we could even ask, hope, or imagine. And so, Father, we align ourselves with your will. We align ourselves with your word, Jesus. And we thank you for what you are going to do in this year ahead of us. And we say in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. So we are in Acts chapter 3. Uh, we are uh, going through the book of Acts, doing a series called The Church and our identity, <clears throat> and I want to start off with um, with the definition that we're using for the word church. 
Definitions are important. Words have meanings. So we don't just want to get up and just say words and assume that everybody knows exactly what we're talking about. So we pulled this out of Acts chapter 2. And um, can we read this together? Y'all read along with me. All right, the church, the consistent and faithful gathering of Jesus' followers filled with the Holy Spirit who have devoted themselves to biblical discipleship, fellowship, prayer, and fulfilling the Great Commission. That's the church. That's what the church is. That's, that's you and me. Um, the, you by yourself is not the church. Me by myself is not the church. When we come together, we become the church. Because the, church, the word church is not actually a, a Christian word. The word church out of the Greek culture in which the New Testament was written was actually a term that was used to represent a governmental gathering, if you will, a quorum of people who were representing a government. And so that word got implemented into the kingdom of God where we are the church and when we gather, we are a representation of the government of the kingdom of God, which means that the things that we do together, we do together to represent the kingdom of God and to represent Christ. It's not, a, it's not just a building. It's not a name that's over a doorpost. It's you and me coming together to find out more of who this Jesus is that we serve and how we can live for him to impact the world around us. That is the church. Somebody say, we are the church. All right. So I want a quick story to kind of lead into today. Every single relationship in the world has somebody in that relationship who, who can't find anything. If you are a parent, maybe you've even experienced this to a greater degree. Now, we have, we, have, uh, we have three children, and I try to do my best to ask for their permission when I'm going to use them in a story, and I did today. So we, uh, our oldest child, uh, his name is Cole. He's, uh, he's 18, not so, uh, not so much a child anymore. Um, he is, he's one of the brightest, most intelligent people I've ever met. Like, seriously, he's, he's so, so stinking smart. And you know what? He can't find a ketchup bottle. Um, does anybody have a friend like that like, or, or a spouse or somebody where like, you know, one of your kids, they're, they're always like, hey, it's right there. And they're like, where? Right there. It's, you're looking at it. It's the thing in front of your eyeballs. I don't see it. Where is it? And just you're pointing at it. It's, it's there. It's right over there. And so for me, I'm the one who's like, you know where it is. I'm pointing at it. And he's like, where are you pointing? Because I can't find the ketchup. And my wife is the one who's uh, actually, Cole thinks that what she does is she makes magic happen where she just makes these things materialize out of nowhere. He's like, I looked right there, and it wasn't there. How are you now picking it up from where it was that I didn't see where it was? And, uh, but we, we have, everyone's got somebody where they are the person who can't find anything, even when it's like right in front of their face. And, uh, and so for me, when I'm, I'm the one pointing, I'm like, it's over there, and he's asking me, where, where are you pointing? Because he can't see exactly where I'm pointing. And, uh, and it's a weird kind of a twist of analogy, but the reality is, I think we actually, as a church, as the church, we, we do this in our world sometimes, where the world is actually looking for what we have to offer them, but they can't see where we're pointing. And we're like, it's over there. And we're sometimes like, oh, like where, where? Like, so, you know, it's, like, it's up here. You know, it's like, what are, what are you doing? Where are, we, where are we pointing? And that's actually the message today. So can you do me a favor? Like, look at, look at somebody next to you, behind you, in front of you, and say out loud, say, where are you pointing? Now turn to somebody that you feel more comfortable talking to and say, where are you pointing? <clears throat> I think some of you are now starting to like, these scenarios are coming up in your mind, and you're like, oh, yeah, 
was right in front of his face. Okay, anyway. All right, so um, the other week, <clears throat> Pastor Rocky preached an amazing message the other week in this first section of Acts chapter 3. And, uh, and, it, and I was jealous because I actually wanted to preach that. I called him like in the 12th hour. I'm like, uh, before that, he's like, uh, Pastor Craig, are you going to be good to preach? Because I didn't have a voice. I'm like, yeah, going to be great. going to be good. And then uh, like right when it was too late, but not too late because Pastor Rocky's on the spot. I'm like, you're up. <laughs> you're, you're in. And he came in, and I listened to that message. Man, it was so good. And uh, if you if you miss it, you need to go back on our podcast or YouTube and, and watch that. And and I was a little bit jealous because like it was a passage of scripture I was so excited to preach on. But what he pre- the way he preached it was so much better. And I'm glad that God knows what He's doing anyway. And uh, so so we're still we're gonna finish up chapter three today in the book of Acts. And uh, so I want to kind of give you a little bit of a prelude going into it um, to kind of recap that that first section of scripture. And uh, so we're in Acts chapter 3, in those first 11 verses, we have Peter and we have John, two of the apostles, two of the original 12 disciples of Jesus. And they are, the church has been launched, the Holy Spirit showed up. They're, they went from people who were cowarding away and afraid and, 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 you know, shying away and gathering in this little upper room just praying to people who were explosively bold with the power of God, who were carrying the message of Jesus Christ. And so it says that they were going to a, a afternoon prayer meeting at the temple, and they encountered somebody, a, a beggar who was lame from birth, a beggar at the temple gate, uh, the beautiful gate it was called, and he was uh, trying to collect as how he earned his living. He was uh, begging for money. And it says that Peter looked at him intently, and which, you know, if, if you're the person who's asking, you're like, this is going well. I think I'm a, a, maybe he's going to give me something. He's like, I don't have any money. Of which he's like, okay, well, let's keep the line moving if, uh, if you don't have. So what Peter knew is that Peter didn't have what the guy wanted, but he knew he had what the guy needed. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the man was instantly healed on the spot. Like, that was fantastic. That's, that's fun, right? That's, that's the fun stuff. That's the good stuff that we like. And, and so these are, there are moments that begin to transpire where it's not just something that happens in the moment. It creates an opportunity to point people to Jesus. And so that's what gets us to verse 12. So I'm going to read a couple of verses. Follow along with me. Verse 12 of chapter 3 in the book of Acts. And it says, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. If, you're, if you have a highlighter or a pen with your Bible, that's a, you should underline that right there. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. <clears throat> he said, people of Israel, what is so surprising about this? And why do you stare at us as if we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors. He's addressing a Jewish community, and so he's speaking to them in the context of what they would understand, to understand the big picture. It says, he's the one who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. And this is the same Jesus who had handed you over and rejected you before, or rejected and was rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. Yes, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. See what they're doing here. Like he's, he's like, hey, this is an opportunity. We're pointing people to Jesus. And he says, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before he was, um, how he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. And Peter continues throughout the rest of this chapter to continue to just paint the picture, the argument of Jesus. And you got to understand, he's saying those details because this was, this was a historic event that was still fresh in the, in the hearts and minds of those who were there. 
not 60 or 70 days before this, had been the crucifixion of Christ. And so he's saying, hey, y'all did this. Y'all kind of screwed this up a little bit. But you need to know it's okay because God raised him from the dead. And he even says, what you did, you did in ignorance. You didn't understand what you were doing. But Peter saw an opportunity. And so I think when we look at the state of, of where the world is and the state of where even the church is right now, we have to understand that God is giving us an opportunity. And it's honestly, it's not a new opportunity, but it is a fresh opportunity that is 2,000 years old. There where Jesus created the church, made the church, and commissioned the church, that's you and me, and has sent us to be the ones who take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us to point people to Jesus. But unfortunately, I think throughout history, <coughs> we have seen pretty consistently that we have missed these opportunities. How many times, I'm gonna, I'll be, I'll be uh, transparent about myself. How many times have, have I had moments where I know that God was trying to set me up in a situation to help somebody, pray for somebody, speak to somebody, point somebody to Jesus? And in my fear and in my nervousness and in my, uh, you know, my, my sweaty hands, and then anybody had the sweaty hand God moments where like you know you're, you're supposed to do something, but then maybe you walk away from it. You're like, why, why do we do that? Well, we do it because we get afraid, right? We're, what, if they, what, if they don't, what if they reject it? What if, uh, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm not hearing from God? What if they have questions that I can't answer? What if this doesn't go the way that I hope it would go? And so we, we respond to fear instead of respond to faith. And in those moments, we lose the opportunities to point people to Jesus. You know, it's not good enough, and it's never again gonna be good enough for people who call themselves followers of Christ to be content with being good people and just trying to generically love everybody. And that, that should be, I mean, right? Should that be a given? Like, that's, love is not the mission of the church. Can I say that? Some of you are like, what? And God love? No, love is not the mission. Love is actually a command. Love is, is the fruit of us demonstrating to others what we have received from God himself. Like, we don't love people because people deserve for us to love them. We love people because God loved us when we didn't deserve to be loved. <clears throat> so so, so that, that's not the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to point people to Jesus. And we can't shy away from that. I think that's one of the weakest aspects of, of Western church is our ability to point people to Jesus. And it's not because we don't have opportunity. And it's not because people aren't receptive. It's because we've allowed ourselves to buy into the fear of rejection over understanding, number one, actually the fear of God, and also believing that if God's gonna set something up for somebody, that he's definitely gonna give us what we need to be effective in that moment. Because not, not all the time does somebody need you to, to lead them in some massive, miraculous, altar response moment on the streets, although some, those do happen. A lot of times, God's just trying to bring you to be a light in somebody's darkness, to be an encouragement in somebody's depression, to, to be something that's positive in a moment where they feel like there's nothing positive for them to hang on to. But where we miss it is where we walk away from those moments without bringing the name of Jesus into the conversation. Because we're not just like, you know, trying to be a good person, trying to be positive, you know, just trying to, you're like, hey man, I really like your vibe. That's an invitation. <laughs> you're like, hey, no, you know, I appreciate yours. Real, recognize real. Thank you. You know, you just kind of walk away from it. <clears throat> and we've allowed, we've allowed Christianity to be nothing more 
than a mystic positivity that leads nobody to a place of hope, that leads nobody to a place of change, that leads nobody to a place of healing. It doesn't give any answers. It just blends in with the rest of the search of spirituality that everybody else is experiencing. And that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus never showed up and said, I am one of the ways. I am possibly part of your truth. And I can kind of give you some life. No, Jesus showed up, kicked the door open and said, I am the way. I am the truth, not a truth, not my truth, not your truth, the truth, the way, the truth, and I am the life. And he had the guts to say, and nobody can get to the Father except through me. And and in in my experience with people who have had a, um, not a great connection with those who call themselves Jesus followers, Um, they haven't had a bad experience with Jesus. They've had a bad experience with where people who claim Jesus are pointing them. Because it's even possible to point somebody to Jesus verbally. Do you hear me? But as you walk away from the situation, what they see you pointing to with your life is not pointing to Jesus. That's the thing that brings disillusionment to people who are so hungry for something that is real. They're desperately wanting to know if what we are about is really what we're about. They hear us talk it. They get invitations to come to a gathering. But when they look at the the Monday through Saturday of what we are living and what we are speaking and what we are doing, it's not pointing people in the right direction. So they may hear you say the name of Jesus, but they're confused where you're pointing. I can't can't quite find what you're pointing at. Where where, where are you pointing? Because I'm not seeing it. And and don't for one second allow this to be something that brings condemnation on anybody because that's not how God operates. Holy Spirit doesn't work through condemnation. He works through conviction. Conviction is actually a life-giving thing that leads you to a solution. Condemnation is something that beats you down because you didn't do something right. The Holy Spirit, I, th- I believe, without a doubt, I- I'm, I'm, a student of, I'm a student of the church um, for, for many reasons. If, if for no other reason, because I want to see in the big picture of how God seems to be moving. God doesn't just move through one church. God, God has a church. We just happen to be a piece of what God is doing in the world and in this region. But God, when he moves, he moves through his church. And there are those who choose to move with it, and there are those that choose to ignore it, and there are, cho- there are those who, who might be so busy in their own thing that they don't even see it. And so I like to, to kind of step back and kind of get an idea of what God is doing. Here's a couple of things I've noticed over the last few years, is that what, what the church thought was working to connect with people doesn't work. Um, entertainment is not a missional method, because whatever you attract through entertainment you have to entertain to keep it's kind of like when a movie's bad you're you know unless you're just bored or fell asleep you're probably going to get up and walk out because it didn't keep your entertainment or maybe even to a degree you're one of those is like i want my money back (laughs) you're like i need a manager this was a terrible movie i know you had nothing to do with it but i want my money back no you know it's like you know so i think that what i see happen is god has been shifting the church for the last few years 
because he's trying to refocus us so that we actually know that we have something to point people to. If we're pointing people to a service, then we're missing the point, no pun intended. You're like, that's kind of weird coming from a pastor. Of course, we, we, like the presence of God is here, y'all. Like when we worship God and we surrender ourselves, the presence of God is here. You don't have to be the greatest apologist of scripture ever. Sometimes it's just get somebody to the environment where they know God can get a hold of somebody. But at the end of the day, it's not just about getting somebody to a service. Like, have you encountered Jesus? Have you, have you experienced his goodness? Have you experienced his forgiveness? Have you seen him do things in your life? Sometimes Christians can be the worst at recognizing God moving in their lives than anybody else. Because we, we, we try to, we try to move away from the, from the power of the Holy Spirit moving on our life because we wanna, we wanna have an explanation for everything. Well, you know, got a, you know, got a promotion. I was like, well, that's, not really, that's probably not really God. You were just, you've been there for a while, so it's just a normal thing. It's like, no, that's, that's the favor of God on your life. Give God the glory for what God does in your life. It's like you, you are, you're, you're not doing the same things that maybe the generation ahead of you was stuck in in their brokenness. Well, you know, I, it's because I learned from their lessons. And I was like, no, it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that has set you free from not having to live in the same patterns of brokenness that the prior generations were in that raised you. It's like, you know, all these different things sometimes that we write off is just like good fortune because we've allowed so much of the methodology and the verbiage of the broken world into our Christianity. Here's another thing I observed. Because I know sometimes we're like, hey, let's avoid the Christianese. Y'all know what Christianese right? is, right? It's like how we talk in church that nobody else understands outside the church. And sometimes that's a real thing. You know, instead of like being, being real, be like, Brandon, what's up, man? How you doing? Be like, um, praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. And I am, I am, I am highly favored. You're like, why, why are we talking like that? Like nobody, but in the same context, scripture tells us that because of who we are in Christ, that we are blessed and we are highly favored. So I think this is what's happened. I think we went through, uh, we've gone through some pendulum swings in some modern church history of we are irrelevant. What do we, the church is irrelevant. We've done something wrong. How do we fix this? Well, we have to be relevant. Pendulum swing, Vroom, let's go over here, which means that we cannot talk like Jesus, talk like scripture. We can't act like, we have to act and talk like everyone else in the world so that we can be relevant to who they are with the desire. I think it was good intention, right? With the right intention to hopefully lead them to Christ. And we go so far over here and we become biblically illiterate because we're more concerned with being able to communicate and identify with the world than we are identifying with truth and having something to present to the world. And so right now, on average, 6% of normal church-going Christians um, read their Bible once a month. I know none of you, I, everyone here, y'all read your Bible every day, I know. Y'all don't have to tell me, y'all are all like, you're, you already just finished your Bible in one year reading plan, now you've started again, you never missed a day, no, I'm joking. But, but listen, like, we're not gonna be that church. If you're, if you're new, if you're a guest, I want, you to, I want you to know this. Like, this is not going to be a church where you can just kind of come and be entertained and, and get a couple of warm fuzzies. Like, we're going to love you. And if you never commit to anything in this church, if you never give to this church, if you never serve at this church, you're going to be welcome, you're going to be loved, and you're going to have a good seat, and we're going to take care of you. But the goal, there's a couple of claps on that. I wasn't looking for the claps. But the goal, the goal is for you to encounter God. The goal is for you to realize that, that there is a, there's a heaven and there's a hell and that there's a God who loves you so much that he gave up absolutely everything so that you could have a relationship with him. But it didn't stop there. 
Because if it stopped there, every time somebody said yes to Jesus, repented of their past, got saved, you know, boom, they'd be sucked up to heaven because, all right, finally we got another one. But that doesn't happen, right? If it does, we're in trouble because we're, we're all still here. But no, it doesn't happen. Why? <clears throat> because salvation, the beginning of relationship with God is not the end goal, it's the beginning. Once that happens, God's trying to bring us to a place in a journey of impacting the world around us, <clears throat> pointing people to Jesus. So let me give you this one scripture here in Romans. Honestly, this is probably one of the, one of the most beautiful passages in scripture. I don't know, I say that too often, but it really is. I like it. Romans chapter 10, uh, you can turn, because if you, if you have a Bible with you, like this is, this is an underline, highlight, circle, write notes to it, worthy passage. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9. Um, it's kind of like two, two uh, halves of this passage. The first half is talking about salvation. It's talking about the beauty, the power of salvation, how somebody can become saved. And it says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Wow, that, that's a confident statement. Not like, you know, highly probable chance that you will be saved. No, it says you will be you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, because we have to be made right with God. That's righteousness. And it is openly declaring, wait, did I skip something? Made right with God? Okay, and sorry, it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Openly declaring your faith. That's not just praying a prayer and leaving and going home. Openly declaring your faith is having that revelation inside of you of who Jesus is, what he did, and declaring it to someone else. Witnessing with people obviously is not what gets you saved, but it's this declaration of faith that Jesus is Lord, that it, it helps people understand and see what God has done inside of you. It says, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. I'm so grateful that we have a generous God. And here, here's one of the most powerful verses here. For everyone, say everyone. everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that so much. Everyone, not some, not the elite, not those that do it better than others, not those who have only sinned just a little bit. You know, not, none of that big stuff, you know, the big stuff, I don't know about you, just them little sins. No, it says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now here, check this out. It goes, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent this is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. The difference between a lost world and a saved world can very much be how Jesus' followers point people to Jesus. And I get it. Like, there's the side, like that, that's where there's aspects of our brain we try to wrap our minds around how God operates. We can only get it so far. Like, let's just be real. We can only get it so far with understanding how God operates. There is the sovereignty of God. Like, so not, the weight is not on us to get everybody saved. And if, it's, and if we fail, then everybody, yes, I, I get that. God is sovereign. God loves people more than we ever could in our entire life. But there is a reason why God is choosing to move through the church. 
There's a reason why God uses people. There's a reason why the New Testament from Matthew all the way to through the book of Revelation says the things that it says about how we are to go out. There's a reason why the Apostle Paul was sent out into the known world to preach the gospel. There's a reason why Jesus told all of us to go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, teach them to do the things that Jesus showed us how to do. There's a reason. We have a responsibility, and that is to point people to Jesus. When we look at, um, when we look at how Peter kind of had this situation, I, I love that coming off of like the miracle, he wasn't you know, just trying to like take credit for it. He wasn't taking a selfie. He wasn't trying to get likes and follows. He wasn't trying to get the blue check. Like he, was, he wasn't like, hey, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just here to be used by God, y'all. Hashtag like humble servant. You know, here's, show your legs. No, stand up. Let's do, a, let's do a reel. Like I need you to jump around a little bit for me. You know, it's like, no, it's, it wasn't like that. Peter, it says he took advantage of the opportunity and he told him about Jesus. He pointed people to Jesus. Uh, can, can I challenge you for a second as I wrap this up? Like don't, don't dismiss the things that God has done in your life. Because here's the thing, he didn't just do it for you. It's kind of part of what was talked about last, the, the other Sunday in that first part of chapter three. Everything that God does in you, he desires to do through you. Everything. Like God, God led you to be saved. He didn't just do that so that you wouldn't uh, go to hell. He did that so that your testimony to others would lead them into the same hope. Have you experienced God healing something in your life? That's not just for you. Because there's other people who need the same healing of what you were healed from. So use the testimony of what God did through you or in you to be done through you. Have you experienced hope when before there was hopelessness? Have you been delivered from depression? Have you found purpose where before you didn't have purpose? Are you, are you in relationships now that before you were lonely and didn't have those relationships? Listen, God is doing things in you so that they can also be done through you. And the moment when we compartmentalize everything just between, it's just me and God, it's a personal thing, I like to keep it quiet, you're, you're missing the point. You're missing the point because our entire existence is wrapped up in letting other people see Jesus through what he's done in our life. And there's something that, that this year at church, as we continue to get into it, as we continue to dedicate ourselves to just saying yes to God, like this is a, this is a yes church. You need to know that about us. Like we're, we're willing to do things that we don't think we're capable of doing, and we're willing to try things that we don't think we can pull off because if God is asking us to do something, we know that he's gonna be the one that provides what is needed so that we can do it. And, and I hope that rubs off on you in your life. Like God's never gonna ask you to do something that he's not gonna provide for you to be able to do. Like in all the godliness, all the help that we need, all the strength that we need, all the miraculous power we need is already found in us through the spirit of God when we say yes to a relationship with God. That's the Holy Spirit. So never think, man, God's put this in front of me. I don't know if I should do this or step into it because I don't know if I have what it takes. If he's put it in front of you, you have what it takes. Does that mean it's not gonna challenge you? No, it almost, almost 100% of the time is gonna challenge you. It's gonna stretch you because not God's, that doesn't take faith to do things that you can already handle. God's trying to take you into new places of, of fresh faith and, and new opportunities, trying to stretch you beyond yourself because it's only in those moments when the attention gets off of us and it gives us the ability to point it to the Lord. So Moses, come and get you hop up and on the keys and we're gonna wrap this thing up. Um, but can I pray for you? Like I, I, I just, more than anything, I wanna go back to that original word. 
that we started this. And I, I'm, I'm going to challenge you to raise your level of expectation in your life. And maybe you're here today, you're not a Jesus follower yet, and that's okay. I want you to know, like, this is, that, that's kind of the type of church we are. Like, we are unashamedly Jesus followers. Like, Jesus is our message. Like, we believe in, the, in the, the accuracy, the inerrancy, the infallibility of Scripture. We believe in the full power of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders. We believe that God is still moving. But you need to understand that this is a church where even if you're not there, you can be here. Like, this is a place where you can connect even if you're not where we are. And so I want you to understand, like, maybe you're here today and, and you have not yet had that, your own encounter with God. You haven't had that, that place where, where you are even understanding what we're talking. How do I point people to Jesus when I don't, I'm not even sure if I've encountered him today or not? I want to encourage you, like, you don't have to leave today with any question in your mind knowing that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's going back to that passage in Romans. That's the beauty of that passage. It gives assurance to absolutely anyone who wants to say yes to Jesus. Your purpose does not begin until it connects with the one who created you. And that's not narrow-minded. Man, that's, that's life-giving. That's all. I'm so grateful that God didn't say, well, here's like a thousand options. I hope you choose the best one. Figure it out on your own. No, he says... Here, I'm gonna, there's, there's one answer on this test and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the answer. You know, there, there's, one, there's one path to take and I'm gonna show you that path. You know, there's, there's one way to salvation and I'm gonna actually lead you to that. There, there's a price to pay, but you know what? I'm actually gonna pay that price for you. Like that, that's the heart of God. You gotta understand that. God's not some torturous deity somewhere out of the cosmos of, 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 you, of the universe just hoping that you figure it out. No, he, he has pursued you with love. He's pursued you with grace. He's pursued you with his kindness to bring you to a place where you could say yes to everything that he has done for you. Because it starts the moment that you acknowledge what God is already doing. And by faith, you confess who he is and accept him into your heart and make him the Lord and the Savior of your life, coming into agreement with the desire that he already has for your life. And that can happen today. Can I pray for you? Just go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. <clears throat> First, I want to pray for all of us because I feel like in some capacity, we're all in the same boat where God wants to challenge us to believe for more, to believe that regardless of the season of life where we find ourselves, we are not limited by how what God can do in us. Like, Man, I just... If I get past this season, I know I'll be able to be more effective for the Lord. No, because God has you in the season that you're in right now for a reason. So embrace where you are right now. Embrace the challenges that are in front of you. And instead of saying, I'll give it all to God when I get through this, give it all to God now and watch what he does in this. Father, I just thank you for every single one of us. Lord, we, I'm so grateful that... Um, God, we can just come before you in our own jacked up, messed up place where we might find ourselves right now. Uh, but Lord, you're not, you're not just trying to turn your head to our brokenness. You, you, you want to engage in bringing healing into our life. You want to engage in bringing wholeness. You want to engage in bringing truth where, where there has been the opposite, Lord. And we just thank you for that. Father, I pray for every single one of us that we would embrace the level of expectation for this year that honors you. 
Father, we will look at the season of life where we find ourselves right now. We would honor you with expectation. We would honor you with belief. We would honor you with our faith. And Lord, that you would give us the same courage that, that, that Peter demonstrated. And we would find these moments that you are working in our life and we would use those as moments to point people to you. Help us as a church, Lord God, to be so crystal clear in a life-giving way that the people of our region know where we are pointing when we talk about Jesus. And that we don't just try to escape around the topic by talking about just trying to be good, just trying to make an impact. But Lord, we would use this as an opportunity to realize on our own, we don't even have what it takes to be good. On our own, we don't even have what it takes to make a difference. It's only through the grace of God and the name of Jesus Christ. So Father, I thank you, Lord, that right now that you are doing work in our hearts, you're doing work in our lives. Lord, you are changing things in us. You are positioning us to be the very people that you see, that you've called us to be as a church. Thank you again for joining us on the Convo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.